Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Africast. My name is Brendan Lotz and joining me as always is Louis Monzon. Hey guys. And Robin Lichetti. Howdy. Uh, you guys having a nice cold week in Johannesburg? No. Uh, you're half right. <laughs> It's just cold. <laughs> it's just cold. Uh, yeah, we had some snow up here. I'm sure everybody heard about that. Yep. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was quite spectacular, if not freezing cold. Mm-hmm. That, that's what that's what made it kind of sucky. Um, but let's get into the news of the week, Louis. You've got some an update regarding the NASFIS nonsense that's been going on. And the nonsense over the last continues of uh, by the looks of it. Um, so. Uh, as of now, NASFAS has made very little comments about actually what it plans to do to fix the allegations that have been brought against it uh, about the, the new student bank accounts and the, the charges and fees and all that stuff. That's still kind of ongoing without any kind of fix at this point. Uh, but was, what was brought to our attention recently is that uh, NASFAS and one of its banking partners, uh, One Tenet Technologies, as we mentioned last week, um, is uh, being sued, or at least a lawsuit has been brought against it. Uh, a lawsuit filed at the Western Cape High Court by another company also using the name Tenet. And, and this is where it gets a bit confusing. So uh, this other company, uh, which goes by... The Tertiary Education and Research Network of South Africa, it is a non-profit uh-huh. organization. Um, they, uh, the shortening of its name is Tenet. Uh, yeah. I'm not talking about the film Tenet. Uh, I'm talking about the, the company Tenet. Uh, no relation to, uh, to Christopher Nolan. Um, so Tenet is, uh, s- uh, contacted me um, a, a while ago to tell me that actually uh, our company is named Tenant, and we have nothing to do with NASFAS or Tenant Technologies that have kind of gotten a lot of bad PR and a, a bad rep because yeah. of the uh, you know the stuff that has been going on with the bank accounts and I mean the whole situation isn't looking good. So so Tenant was is looking to kind of correct the situation and say actually this is not us because uh, apparently Tenant has the registered trademark for the name Tenant. Yeah. And the NASFAS company that, that or the, the company that works with NASFAS um, actually does not have the registered trademark to use the name Tenet, Tenet Technologies or Tenet Tech. They so they're basically stealing the name from Tenet. Did they just like pick a name from a hat and went, yeah, this one sounds they, they technology enough. They couldn't even do a little Google like check. And I mean, like, like, I know a lot of people probably haven't heard of Tenet, but if you are in the education space, if you're working with universities, I would expect you to know who Tenet is because they they manage the networks for a lot of uh, academic projects and academic research projects. Mm -hmm. So, hey, I would I would suggest if you're going to start a company, when you want to pick a name. You should at least do a little bit of research. Yeah, just go to the CIPC's website no, and, uh, and, and, and that is if you want to do a proper company, if you want to yeah. do it properly, right? So Tenet is angry. Um, they filed uh, this motion of copyright infringement against NASFAS, against um, Tenet Technologies, against uh, Ukeshe, which apparently is involved in the whole system in some way or some capacity. They, they didn't really describe it. I'm sure the, that it's something to do with the education and the provisioning. Yeah, yeah, something, something something's like that. going on there. Um, as well, they've, they've also brought, it, uh, the, they've also brought uh, the, the .za name registry uh, commission into the whole situation. Um, not in the, in the way that they're kind of involved, but in the way that they have something to do with the fact that they 
kind of oversee the, the domain registrations mm. in South Africa. Um, and basically, they've said uh, that, this is a quote from the motion, the infringing marks, unlawful company name and abusive domain names. So that, that would be the Tenet Tech mm. names and the websites that Tenet, Tenet has registered using the copyrighted name with Nasfas are identical or confusingly similar to the Education Institute's Tenet trademark. NASFAS and Tenet Technologies are using the infringing marks, unlawful company name, and abusive domain names in relation to services that are at the same, uh, that are the same as or similar to the services of, for which Tenet's trademark is registered. So which is educational services or services in the educational uh, situation. So this wouldn't be a problem, I don't think, until NASFAS and Tenet and its other banking partners kind of allegedly botched this whole thing, mm. right? Um, I think Tenet was kind of okay with everything, but then, uh, so one guy Halsey, or House, not sure how his name is pronounced, he is the executive officer of trust and identity at Tenet, at yeah. the educational institution, um, and he actually was the one who brought this to my attention uh, first. He says, the misuse of our name and trademark case had significant and detrimental impact on our company. Okay. Call volumes have increased by about 300%, and we are dealing with a large number of often irate students who mistakenly believe we have something to do with Nasfas' bank accounts. Even Nasfas' own staff seems confused, since their walk-in center in Cape Town is now referring students to our offices. That's ridiculous. Right? And, like, it makes sense, because if Tenet Technologies, the company mm. who's supposed to be, like, doing stuff with Nasfas, like, if they uncontactable... You're going to try everything you yep. can, and eventually you're going to find Tenet South Africa, yep. the educational institution, and or the educational firm, rather. And, yeah, oh, my goodness. So this whole thing is just insane to me how, I mean, so according to Auta, the, the NASFAS has spent 1.5 billion rands of taxpayer money on the whole bank account system. And they've onboarded four fintechs, you know, yeah. of which Tenet Technology is one of them. So that's a lot of money to just give out on a whim, without having to do the proper research, without having to kind of care just a little bit about the companies that you're working with, yeah. you know? Um, especially since students are complaining and students are not receiving their money or they're, they're dealing with these high uh, banking fees. and So the situation is, 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 is what it is. Um, Tenet, the educational institution, um, is asking for uh, damages. Yeah. Um, this, is the, this is what they're asking for. Uh, the application is simultaneously brought for an order of delivery up for destruction of all printed matter or materials bearing the infringement mark. So everything that Tenet, mm. Technologies, and, and NASFAS have printed out uh, in, in paper, uh, yeah. if, if the motion is passed uh, in, the high, in the Western Cape High Court, will have to be destroyed. Um, as well as an order for directing that an inquiry be held for purposes of determining the amount of any damages or reasonable royalty to be, to be awarded to Tenet. So it's looking to be to get money uh, from this whole situation yeah. uh, if the motion Jeez. is passed. Ooh, that's, that's a big mistake on Tenet Technologies' part and NASFAS's part as well, not doing its due diligence to make sure that the company that it was dealing with wasn't infringing on another company's copyright. And I mean, like, especially Tenet, the, the institution, like, it's, it's just sort of bizarre that they didn't do any research or think, oh, did somebody at NASA think, oh, yeah, the people who run the network are going to suddenly do fintech? What? Yeah. 
and <laughs> and the the Nasfas people are sending them to Tenet's offices, the wrong offices. That's even I mean, worse. this is people's lives we're yeah. talking about here. This is students. They they need to eat and they need to pay for their schooling. And now you're sending them to the place who doesn't know what they're on about. What are you, what are you guys doing at Nasfas? What's happening there? That's that's very alarming. I feel a SIU investigation coming up. Oh, the commission soon. of inquiry, all this nonsense. For years we'll have that before anything is actually answered. Uh, as always, there will be links to this story and others that we cover throughout this podcast at the bottom of the post. Uh, is that it, Louis? Yes, is that that's all that, that, that we have. For now, I'm sure we'll have an update uh, in due time. Fantastic. Right. Uh, cold crypto wallets. Do you guys know what those are? Do you know what a cold crypto wallet I is? I do not. Okay, so a hot wallet is uh, essentially a wallet that is connected to the internet. So that means that you need an internet connection in order to access your funds or transact or do that sort of stuff. Uh, a cold wallet is usually stored as like a USB drive um, or simply just written on a piece of paper, the, the details of that wallet. Um and generally, they are regarded as being more safe because they're not always connected to the internet and therefore they're less susceptible to hacking attacks as we've seen at a number of uh, cryptocurrency exchanges over the last couple of years. But Kaspersky uh, earlier this year detected a number of scam emails targeting owners of both hot and cold cryptocurrency wallets. We're going to focus on the cold wallets because the hot wallets is very much just a uh, phishing scam. You click a link and then you, the people get access to it. Uh, but the cold one is really, really interesting. So what happens is that uh, the owner of a cold wallet will receive an email telling them that they have been entered into a, or they can win XRP Ripple tokens in a giveaway. Um, the, the link in that email directs to a blog post uh, where the attackers have kind of obfuscated the URL. So the URL actually reads app. Oh, sorry, we'll get to that in a moment. But essentially, this blog post looks very much like Ripple's official website. And uh, the target is given a, a series of things to do um, that would be pretty legitimate if like, you were trying to kind of connect your wallet to the internet and get a, a get a transaction. So essentially they go through a whole bunch of well thought out steps uh, from these attackers and it results in the person eventually connecting their cold wallet and then that wallet being drained by attackers. Um, they use two APIs to kind of transact with the account then. So the one API verifies the account details that they are legitimate and the person isn't trying to scam the scammer, essentially. And then the second API requests the funds. Those funds are then deposited into an intermediate account, which is then transferred to the attacker's actual account, uh, which makes it harder to track. Um, but this is really, really concerning. If you are somebody who owns, a, or owns cryptocurrency mm -hmm. and you have a cold wallet, um, this is this should ring alarm bells for you, and uh, you should be a little bit more cautious about this, the things that you're clicking on, the stuff that you are transacting with. Um, I think it's it's old hat to say uh, if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. But to give you an idea of how um, believable this thing is, uh, the URL when you connect your cold wallet to an application, the application where you're supposed to essentially receive your funds. The actual URL of that application is app.xn-ippl-4bb.net. So first off, Ripple transacts on .com, 
not .NET. Um, but essentially, when you put that into uh, into any web browser, it will correct it because there are some um, what's the word here. Uh, Unicode characters essentially. When you put that into a browser, it will spit out app.ripple.net, uh, which makes it look like a really believable website and could fool most people. I would be fooled by that if uh, they had used Unicode, which is, if you don't know what Unicode is, uh, you press Alt and then some nums, numbers on the numpad and you get special characters. And that's essentially what's happened here. Um, but yeah, this is very, very concerning and uh, warrants a bit. Bit of care if you transact in this market in in cryptocurrency. Yeah. Um, did you guys know that the cryptocurrency market cap, like for all tokens, is one point one trillion US dollars? I think I I read something similar to that yeah. to that point. That's ridiculous. Well, I was gonna say that seems low. That's for magic internet money. Yes. <laughs> Um, I think the fact that it is magic internet money, because this is not the first time that something like this has kind of come up. Yeah. Um, you know, cyber attackers and stuff continuously uh, go towards trying to steal crypto because it's untraceable. Right? Yeah. Once you once you steal it, no one can really find. Well, you can. Go. There are ways. So yeah. you can follow the address that it goes through, but mm. there are ways. So you can use the Tumblr, mm. which is essentially just like a money launder, an automated money laundering machine. Mm where you put in funds, it transfers it to like 100 different wallets that are pre-generated. Yeah. And at that point, it becomes a manual case of having to search through every wallet to find out where it ended up. And that's just, it's impossible. Maybe right. ChatGPT could do it. Maybe. 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 Um, but yeah, so if you have a cold cryptocurrency wallet, be careful of the emails you click. And uh, yeah, be safe out there. Robin, EA has a new football game. Yes. And people um, are not fans of the cover. Yeah, so as we have covered in the past, EA and FIFA are officially cutting ties. Um, their kind of contract or partnership, or whatever you want to call it, uh, elapsed this year mm -hmm. uh, for FIFA 23. That was kind of the last game that will f bear the FIFA kind of license and uh, logos can kind of... Uh, for the franchise and um, the reason for that the reason for the split is that FIFA the football organization were wanting more money from EA for licensing rights um, uh, from reports I heard almost double what they were already paying um, to which EA Sports said uh, that's going to be a no from me EA Sports we're out of this game yes so um, they decided not to pay double and rather uh, just use the existing licenses, which, which they have with a number of different uh, football teams, football leagues across the world, some of the most popular ones, including the Premier League and La Liga, stuff like that. They were quite happy with the current state of their licensing uh, with those kind of organizations and were kind of happy to cut ties with FIFA. Now, uh, the new franchise, the newly named franchise is EA Sports FC. Mm -hmm. And for this year, it'll be EA Sports FC 24. Okay. Uh, a full uh, reveal of the gameplay is expected this week. At time of recording, uh, it's coming out on the 13th of July. There'll be a live stream where I'm sure developers will kind of run through all the new elements in the game, how it performs, what people can look forward to, availability, pricing, all those good things. The issue, however, is b before uh, said live stream, EA thought it was a good idea to share some cover art mm. as well as an announcement trailer. The announcement trailer is inoffensive enough. Um, there are some discrepancies. For example, they had uh, 
uh, real world players rendered in the in the trailer. Yeah. And they had one player, uh, Christian Benteke, who is six foot three, talking to another player, um, an Italian player. I forget his name now, but he is five foot eight in real life. Yeah. And they and were eye to eye. They were eye to eye. <laughs> um, Christian Benteke, he, he took it in good heart, in good spirit. Uh, he tweeted out, uh, "They did me dirty on this one." Um, but the trailer itself was fine. The issue that people are taking uh, taking up is the cover for the ultimate edition of the game, which features uh, I don't the know Sims. the yeah I don't know the exact number, but at least thirty players, both past and present. Um, and yeah, the, the looks of the players, some of them at least are quite questionable. Um, there are players like uh, Arsenal's Bukayo Saka who um, looks unrecognizable. No. The same goes for Andrea Pirlo, which uh, people are commenting that the guy looks like he's been through some stuff. <laughs> um, also, Zidane looks weird. Um, and a lot of the female players just look odd. They don't look, look like they did in uh, FIFA 23 or previous iterations, for example. So... I'm not too sure. Maybe this is simply a case of a poor rendering or which, whichever artist worked on this didn't yeah. do a thorough enough job. Yeah. You, can I, do you know what this looks like to me? Is It looks like FIFA games through the ages. <laughs> because like, if you look at like Didier Drogba or David Beckham in this image, like they seem rather well rendered. But then if you look at, like like you say, the woman in the image, like it looks like somebody literally just took a face map, slapped it on an NPC uh, Well, people cover. are saying, like, this is made by AI or something. Mm. It's so I bad. I put it it's the so bad. Yeah, um, so um, unfortunately, EA Sports hasn't really commented on the... I wouldn't say it's backlash. People just kind of roasting and saying, what have you guys done? Um, hopefully the gameplay reveal will be a bit more promising. Um as we know already, FIFA or other uh, EA Sports pretty much has free reign as far as what it does for games these days. Uh, the only other competitor it had was PES, or Pro Evolution Soccer, which Konami chose to go kind of online and make it terrible. I don't know if anyone's played eFootball, but it is horrible now. Yeah. Uh, PES previously was really actually a better gameplay experience than FIFA but it was cool it was really good it yeah, was but licensing was the thing that kind mm. of uh, made FIFA more popular it probably will continue to be the case but now yeah um, the the ultimate cover uh, does not um, yeah, doesn't do justice to the players and hopefully that is corrected in game because uh, if I'm Bakaya Saka I am I'm getting very litigious <laughs> What have you done to my face? Because he's got, he in FIFA 23, the current game that's out, yeah. his face is fine. It's perfect. It's 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 a one-to-one -one rendering. Man, I wonder if there's not some weird licensing, like part of the agreement with FIFA, like that they had to hand over some technology or some likenesses of players. Well, like, I mean, oh my god. <laughs> so so the past cover stars, mainly Kylian Mbappe, Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah. don't feature anywhere in the announcement trailer or in this cover, Ooh. which. It's I don't weird. know if it's a coincidence or it's uh, something bigger behind the scenes that's but happening. But didn't, sorry, I'm not a football person, I'm not a fan or anything, but wasn't Mbappe part of the FIFA World Cup finals? He was, he was in the final, he yeah. scored a hat-trick in the final. Yeah, so I mean that's like why is he not featured mm. prominently? Well, I mean, I think it looks like their big star for this uh, game is going to be Erling Haaland, who yeah. is a Manchester City striker. Okay. Um, he is not of this earth. 
Oh. He's, uh, he's, he's like uh, uh, Ivan Drago, but a footballer. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a machine, he's is a robot. Is this blonde fella in the center of the... Yes, the, the tall Norwegian in the middle there. Okay, yeah, the guy um, looks like he ain't got time for nothing. Uh, he also, yeah. it looks like he has a very small head. Can, can we just t- take a minute to just say... <laughs> Why, why are some of the footballers' heads so small in this? Like, look at the size of David Beckham's huge noggin. <laughs> it, to me, it seems like they created the bodies for this image first and then they Added planted the heads, the heads on, on later. Yeah. They could have uh, done so much Like, better. I mean, the width of Didier Drogba's body doesn't look right. Uh, hey, his face looks fine, but yeah, anyway. Um, we're hoping that they kind of correct this in-game. Um, I think everyone's kind of interested to see what... EA Sports does now that it doesn't have to worry about FIFA anymore. Um, purely for the fact that I think a lot of recent iterations of the game have felt very bland, very meh. Um, there wasn't really much innovation or kind of anything different. Uh, I understand this is there's only so much you can do with a football mm. game, but th- there was there was just nothing really as exciting anymore and I think people also got really frustrated with the uh, FIFA Ultimate Team experience yeah. all the microtransactions it was just it just wasn't really that great anymore bring back FIFA Street <laughs> <laughs> FIFA Street come on you cowards do it a lot of fun that game was a lot because it was just ridiculous yeah they have a mode like that it's called Volta it's like street football Volta but, yeah but um, yeah Hopefully, EA Sports have more to show us than just badly rendered faces. AI faces. Yeah. Oh, come on. Like I, I, I do think that EA is going to be fine though. Um, the nightmare fuel aside, uh, I think that they their systems are strong. The gameplay that they have as a baseline yeah, is pretty strong. I mean, they're, so they're going to probably build it on the Dice Engine, right? On one of yeah. the latest. So it'll probably look good. Yeah. I think it is just like a, 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 a maybe a concept art or a design failure here, or I don't know. But yeah, we'll see when that comes out. Yeah, right. Uh, we don't have to wait long, though, because there's a showcase on Thursday. So, yeah, we're recording this on Wednesday, so 13 July is Thursday. Right, let's get into the the meat and potatoes of this week. The much, much challenged and much debated decision over whether Microsoft should be allowed to acquire Activision Blizzard has reached a sort of conclusion. We're nearing a conclusion, though, um, with the FTC in the US uh, basically losing a court case against Microsoft uh, yeah, against Microsoft, and it's bid to acquire Activision Blizzard. Uh, Robin, do you want to give us the update quickly, and then we'll dive into this kettle of fish? Sure. So uh, earlier this week, uh, as we mentioned, the FTC versus Microsoft hearing came to a close, and Judge Jacqueline Scott Corley uh, reached a decision ruling in favor of Microsoft, as Brennan has alluded to. Uh, this means that the FTC's injunction against Microsoft has been denied. Uh, that said, the Federal Trade Commission is looking at its next steps. So for now, uh, one of the biggest hurdles uh, as far as Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard in the U.S. is concerned has been kind of negotiated. However, the saga isn't fully over, which we'll discuss shortly. Um, what is worth mentioning is the um, the the kind of points that the judge made during uh, when delivering her decision. Um, so she said that Microsoft's acquisition of Activision has been described as the largest in tech history. It deserves scrutiny. That scrutiny has paid off. Microsoft has committed in writing, in public, and in court to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation for 10 years on parity with Xbox. 
It made an agreement with Nintendo to bring Call of Duty to Switch, and it entered several agreements, entered several agreements uh, to, uh, for the first time, bring Activision's content to several cloud gaming services. This court's responsibility in this case is narrow. It is to decide if, notwithstanding these current circumstances, the merger shall be halted, perhaps even terminated, pending resolution of the FTC administrative action. Uh, she continues, for the reasons explained, the court finds the FTC has, shown a, has not shown a likelihood it will prevail on its claim that this particular vertical merger in this specific industry may substantially lessen competition. To the contrary, the record evidence points to more consumer access to Call of Duty and other Activision content. The motion for a preliminary injunction is therefore denied in all caps. Yeah. Damn. So we still have the FTC that is still trying to block this acquisition, right? There's, yeah. still, there's still another side of this. This is just the injunction to kind of stop Microsoft from doing anything that would push this deal forward faster or kind of push it through essentially. Yeah, so the FTC uh, sp spokesperson, uh, Mr. Douglas Farrar, he issued a statement shortly after the decision was mm. was reached. Um, he said, we are disappointed in this outcome given the clear threat this merger poses on open competition in cloud gaming, subscription services, and consoles. In the coming days, we'll be announcing our next step to continue our fight to preserve competition and protect consumers. Gee, okay. Um, that guy's going to have egg on his face when this is all over and done with. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I think we'll, we'll, we'll be kind of unpacking this now, but uh, one of the big uh, opponents to this, to this acquisition has also been the UK's uh, Competition and Markets, Markets Authority. Authority. Um, they too have kind of changed their tune a little bit. Oh, look at that. Yeah, so kind of after this decision with the FTC uh, came about, uh, Engadget actually read about this and they received comment. Um, and they said that Microsoft and Activision have agreed with the CMA uh, that a stay of litigation in the UK would be in the public interest and all parties have made a joint submission to the Competition Appeal Tribunal to this effect. Hang on uh, a second. So does that mean that they're going through with this merger in the UK anyway? That's what and they're just going like. to stop. The CMA is agreeing not to sue over it. So they're putting on. They're, they're putting off any kind of litigation at this stage. So they kind of everything's okay. on pause at the moment. They also oh. added that um, the CMA is ready to consider any proposals from Microsoft to restructure the transaction in a way that would address the concerns set out in our final report. So it looks like they're ready to get get up to, to, the, to the bargaining table. So, okay, so just as a reminder, the CMA's big uh, point that in, when it decided not to allow this merger was the fact that micro, it would give Microsoft a edge, an unfair edge in the realm of cloud gaming. Yeah, the cloud gaming. That thing. was their big thing, was cloud gaming. Yeah. It was an emerging market. They didn't want it to be like hamstrung by the likes of Microsoft. Like, so the only way that I see this now going forward is Microsoft saying, well, we'll lessen the reach of the cloud gaming thing. Well, according to the other judge, the American judge, yeah. uh, Microsoft is apparently already doing that, or at least in the States. They, apparently they, um, from, from what Robin said, they are reaching out to more cloud gaming uh, suppliers to host their products. I mean, like, that's kind of just the, I feel like that's just something that's in the ordinary course of doing business in this mm. regard, right? Like, you can't, 
as wealthy as Microsoft is as a company, it cannot build out data centers in every state and right. every province and every town around the world. That's just an impossibility. So they would have to contract people or use existing infrastructure there. Like we're seeing with um, GeForce Now mm. and Rain. So they are hel Rain's helping GeForce establish a presence here locally with its server infrastructure and its back end. So, I mean, that just seems like, okay, yeah, so you're going to do that anyway, Microsoft. Mm. I mean, that's something that would probably happen in the UK, although I'm not entirely sure how the UK server and data center infrastructure sector works. Um, but it, yeah. in, in this, would it not leverage existing Azure? I mean, because they could, but that's the thing, right, is that if, if in the UK, which is small, like comparative to the US, like, is Azure able to cover the whole of that island? I'm pretty sure it would be mm. if we look at the scale, right? Like, here in South Africa, we have an Azure data center in Cape Town and then one in Joburg, correct? Um, I stand to be corrected. Yeah, so, but the thing is, my problem with what the CMA is, has outlined is that it's saying cloud gaming is a big issue. Mm. Cloud gaming isn't really a big thing yet. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. So, I understand that they... That they potentially worried about uh, it being anti-competitive. But we have to keep in mind, one, now Microsoft has kind of put those agreements in place. We'll discuss those shortly mm. as to what it actually means. But a decade's worth of support for uh, for platforms and consoles that aren't your own kind of ticks that box. Yeah. Um, but when you're talking about cloud gaming, it's, it, it's, it's going to be on Microsoft anyway to ensure mm. that that infrastructure is available to its, to its customers. It's, yeah. it's, it's not like... Uh, it's to their detriment yes, if it's Microsoft not. was shooting itself in the foot if it didn't make cloud gaming. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, it would be like, okay, well, you know, we're going to offer you cloud gaming, but you can only get it on an Azure data, or on an, in, through an Azure data center. And if you don't have an Azure data center, well, then you just got to deal with a bad ping. No. They're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. They're going to make sure that their service, while it is probably still a best effort service, they're going to make sure that it's up to par. And the only way to do that effectively is by partnering with third parties who have infrastructure in places that you don't have it. And that's, I think that's always been a business model for Microsoft. That's how it has a reseller network, why it has distributors, people that it works with. It doesn't need to necessarily have a whole team of people here handling distribution. It can hand that over to accredited partners. Um, but as far as I understand, this, the, the problem initially was, so it's about the Activision thing. So it's about Call of Duty. Right. Yeah. Is is it not that now Microsoft, after these after this latest ruling in the U.S., they've agreed to now bring Activision games to more cloud? So no, no, that was providers. also part of that was already happening while the CMA's decision. Then why was, was what was the problem with the CMA? The CMA didn't believe it. So the CMA's whole thing boils down to that because cloud gaming is an emerging market, mm. having a player as big as Microsoft means that Microsoft could have the monopoly example, from the beginning. Exactly. Right? Or buy out, you know, pull mm. an Amazon and just buy out the smaller players. Right. Um, but I mean, that's that's a big if. And there are there are methods or there are processes in place that would prevent that from mm. happening. In this, within the CMA itself. So the fact that it's kind of going, ah, oh, well, you know, cloud gaming could be pretty big and Microsoft could, could be dominant. That's a lot of ifs, buts, and maybes. Mm. Um, and also, you're punishing Microsoft for being the biggest player. That's not their fault. Yeah. I mean, like, look, I'm, I'm not a big fan of monopolies, right? But like to say that Microsoft has a monopoly in cloud gaming is just silly. Because and it's not, that's not Microsoft's true. fault it's not that true, Google yeah. Stadia didn't work out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or what's Amazon, what's it called? Aura? 
which is the name of like three different companies. And and GeForce also isn't like doing gangbusters right now with this no, card game. So, um, so yeah, I, it, it's a weird point to kind of harangue about uh, for the CMA. Uh, but it looks like now that the FTO that the American courts are saying it's fine, it's working out. That it's, I mean, I I doubt that it won't go through. So yeah, I think the moment that uh, during those FTC hearings that we saw that actually PlayStation internally at least wasn't really worried about access or yeah. exclusivity for Call of Duty. It it pretty much yeah, it starts unraveling. Yeah. The whole your whole case starts falling apart when like the head of your company goes, well, you know, we weren't really ever worried about Call of Duty exclusivity. Uh, oh. Okay, well, wh- why do you care about everything else then? You know, it, it's, I mean, this also is hilarious from PlayStation to talk about exclusivity when it is the producer of so many exclusive titles. Mm. Just as I've said multiple times when we discuss this topic, that's not a problem for me. I understand why they have exclusives. Microsoft just was bad at making exclusive games that anybody wanted besides Gears of War and Halo. Mm. Um, but yeah, to punish Microsoft for that, it's just... Could it not all boil down to what the judge said, that this could be the biggest you know, merger in the history of technology and it needs to be properly scrutinized? I don't even think it's the biggest in technology. In video games, maybe. Probably. But not in technology because, I mean, that could be like facebook and whatsapp right in my opinion just yeah, because might, of the size be bigger in terms of users and yeah stuff. In, term, in terms of users that they ported over but i don't know if it's the biggest so so something you said brendan kind of made me think that maybe it, this whole thing has just been kind of an exercise right they, yeah. they had to do it like they it it kind of it was they had to just look into it and make sure that all the ducks were in a row and then now, like you said, it's kind of unraveling. Mm-hmm. It was all supposed to unravel. It wasn't that big of a deal in the first yeah. place. It was just a lot of money that they were throwing around. Yeah. And as soon as the billions upon billions upon billions were kind of throwing around, everyone kind of sat up and they were like, oh, we need to look into this. And yeah. now it's come out that actually it was fine. It's been yeah. fine since the beginning. So I think the other thing is that what we need to remember here is that while Call of Duty is a big, big, big property, um, like... What else does Activision do, Activision Blizzard do that's really big? Aside from Diablo 4, which just released. But I mean, so Warcraft? Still one of the biggest MMOs. Yeah. And the Warcraft series, I mean, they could bring that to console, I suppose. Overwatch has lost a lot of favor recently yeah. in terms of just I mean, because it's not it, doing it's PvE still content. It's the biggest uh, in gaming, yeah. but I wouldn't say that they're the top. Yeah, but nothing know. really changes from the merger as a result to those titles. Mm-mm. The only thing that was up for question was Call of Duty. Yeah. And Microsoft. I mean, I don't see PlayStation. to keep to its word, but. I don't see PlayStation vying for World of Warcraft on PlayStation, you know? That's not happening. Which is kind of just. That would be. But th- this is the thing, right? Is that the whole of PlayStation's argument was, oh, Call of Duty exclusive. But it didn't think about the other huge titles that Blizzard has under, or Activision Blizzard has under its, under it's, its a, wing. It's a different sphere of people who play games, uh, or either that, or it doesn't affect Sony's market. The people who play World of Warcraft are also the people who have a PS5 and have God of War. You know, yeah. there's, there's no overlap there. Fair. Right? Fair point. Maybe, maybe Sony's whole thing is that, okay, the people who have Call of Duty. They get Call of Duty on one console, yeah. or they they stick to one part. And if you take Call of Duty away from from Sony, they won't have those Call of Duty players. Until it came out that Sony wasn't didn't really care at all, really. 
So what do we think Phil Spencer and co are going to go and say to the CMA now in terms of these negotiations where the CMA or Microsoft has to cut part of the, the deal to make it more attractive for the CMA? What do you think they're going to do now? I think they'll only tell them, okay, if you guys are concerned about cloud gaming, what we will do is extend the same 10-year uh, availability mm -hmm. uh, of Call of Duty games or whatever games that we mm -hmm. make to the same uh, competitors via mm -hmm. our cloud services as well. We'll support them as well for the next 10 years. That could probably, yeah. I mean, at this point, I think it's a shoe-in that they're going to get approved in the UK. Um, so I think anything that, I mean, Microsoft is already agreeing to these things in the US. I don't think it'll be such a big deal for them to just say the same thing in the UK and get the yeah. approval. Yeah, I do, I do think that it's going to be a much easier negotiation than it was the last time around. Um, however, I do think that if the CMA does just stand firm and say no, I think that Microsoft will stop distributing games into the UK. And people have called me crazy for this, but I've started seeing analysts saying the same thing. I've been saying this from the beginning, that Microsoft will just pull out of that market. Yeah, now you guys are call Brendan crazy for different reasons. While it, while it's a, and while it is a big market, right, it is a big market for Microsoft, that's, that's exactly why they pull out, because from the, the pressure from citizens and consumers in the UK would likely just force the UK to kind of go, okay, you know what, no, just just let them in. Just, it's fine. Let the Not just that, you've got to think about all the game studios, developers and stuff like that that are based in the UK. Yeah. So, I mean, if Microsoft threatens to walk, they do have, they have a massive bargaining chip in that regard. And if I were full Spencer, I would pull it. Because... I've been watching a lot of Succession, and those people are ruthless. <laughs> and that's the sort of ruthless move that I would expect people that are in these positions to do. Mm. I don't foresee Microsoft just going, ah, okay, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll throw this away because one territory says no. Mm. One market says no. I don't see that happening. It mm. feels to me like that would be a waste of time for them. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna little bighorn them. Yeah. So all the markets around the UK will have access, and then eventually they'll have to huh? fold over. I may be wrong here, but I also think there's there's a there's a bit of a political aspect now. It's no accident that the CMA has kind of cooled on this whole thing with Microsoft mm -hmm. now that the FTC has been beaten in court, right? I mean, yeah. the way that the legal system works all over the world is that you 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 kind of cite or reference other court cases to make your case stronger, mm -hmm. and the Microsoft can do the same thing. Yeah, you know, in the UK now that the FTC have not been able to do this, so. Um, Will Microsoft pull their games? I really doubt that, especially now that they have... Look, this is, this, it's an extreme. I, this, I'm talking about like if nothing goes the way that Microsoft wants it to go, ultimately pull. Pull the plug, right? That's the extreme. Like, I don't, do I think that it's going to happen? One in ten shot, maybe, you know? I think unless the CMA really just doubles back and says, no, we won't, then Microsoft will have to. But I think at this point, we've, we've passed that. Yeah, we passed it. I mean, just considering how many countries have said, go ahead, yeah. go for it. Including South Africa. Including <laughs> South Africa. <laughs> yes, we had two, two regulatory bodies. Yeah, so the yes. Competition Commission said yes, and then the Competition Tribunal also yeah, said like yes. Like a month late. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, what I did find interesting, though, is that Mike Ybarra, uh, once this news came out, a couple of people were like, oh, Diablo 4 on Game Pass. Yeah. And there was a tweet from somebody uh, who purported to be for Blizzard, which was quickly deleted. Um, 
And Mikey Barra came out and was like, no, not happening. This is definitely not happening. Um, so, I mean, if you're hoping that Activision Blizzard games are going to arrive on Game Pass, maybe Candy Crush, you know? Maybe. Can, maybe. maybe maybe old Call of Duties. So it would be interesting to see if they... Could you imagine they put the Warcraft subscription on Game Pass? Like, include that. Ooh. Or something like that. Something, that would be crazy, you know? I would be like, Maybe. <laughs> I don't know how many people are going to go back to that addiction. I mean, and I mean, I'm calling it an addiction. I mean, Warcraft Classic, World of Warcraft Classic recently announced that they were going to introduce hardcore realms. Oh, gosh. So it's like, it's like Iron Man, yeah. like Diablo. If your, if your character dies, your character will be deleted. Yeah. And that actually got my neurons firing, <laughs> you know? And my, my skin started to itch. And I was like, hmm. So, and, you know, that would be crazy if something like that happens, if they get... The I mean, they've done it with League of Legends. So, with if you have Game Pass and you play Riot Games as games, so whether that's Valorant or League of Legends or the uh, Ru Legends of Runeterra, mm -hmm. uh, you get access to everything as a Game Pass subscriber. So, you just link your two accounts and you have all the champions in League of Legends, all the agents in Valorant, all the cards in Legends of Runeterra. So, I mean... It's something that they could do. Yeah, they could really easily do that. Yeah. <sighs> Especially now that uh, Warcraft isn't as big as it was, you know, and now it's being overshadowed by you know things like Final Fantasy XV. Yeah. you know. Um, so there is one other thing that I want to mention that could make uh, the CMA maybe more open to Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard, and that's if Microsoft were to say we'll offer one month free access or as a trial to Xbox Cloud Gaming for everybody in the UK for 10 years, right? So one month, the first month that you sign up, you get for free as you would with Game Pass previously, although now that is back. But anyway, you get the first month of access for free in the UK and that deal is runs for 10 years. Simple as. Because then, then you effectively quell the, the competition conversation because now your product's free. You know, so it's free to try at least, and if you like it, you can then pay whatever Microsoft ends up yeah. charging it. I mean, all these options seem like they're they are cost effective for Microsoft. Like they're not gonna even lose money, and even if they do, the whatever losses they, they they'll, they'll make incur, back. They'll make back. Yeah. Easy peasy. My only question is, what does PlayStation do now? Well, they bought Bungie, you know, and Bungie's got that extraction shooter mm, marathon. But more importantly. I think we've mentioned this several times on our podcast before. It's time to copy and paste Game Pass. Yeah. It's time. I, I tend to agree with you 100% because PlayStation has a catalog of games, like a massive one if you look at the PlayStation 2. Um, just do something with that. You imagine. I think the judge's ruling, she, she mentioned something really, uh, she, she kind of framed it really nicely, that yes, this acquisition may affect PlayStation bottom line, mm. but it does not affect the gaming industry. Yeah. So and that's, that's, I think, is so important, is that the, the battle of these two titans doesn't affect the folks that are, like, churning out indie games, mm. right? Although they might get acquired by Microsoft or PlayStation now. That's the best thing that could happen to them, likely. I mean, the worst thing, in quotation marks, like, to get acquired by a big studio. Mm. Like, it's time for PlayStation to buy EA. 
I look, I think that that would be, that sounds silly, but I think that that's something that they would have to do eventually on Ubisoft. Or or Ubisoft, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they'd have to do something like that, acquire one of those big studios. Because, like, paying a couple of million for Bungie, sure, but Bungie has one title, and Mm. players of that title are growing increasingly disillusioned. And then you have Marathon, which is based off of a property that none of us remember, you buy the you buy the a gaming city with toxic culture. We're gonna buy one as well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, Microsoft Activision Blizzard looks like it will be happening. Um, and yeah, best of luck to them. Uh, I for one am looking forward to seeing some old Activision games on uh, on Game Pass. That would be great. The, what's that? The one with the robot cop and the. Uh, I forgot the name. Well, that would be cool to yeah. get some old active Some old games that go on to Game Pass, just live there forever. Yeah, I think it would be quite nice. Is StarCraft on Game Pass? No, no. That would nothing. also be huge. Yeah, old get... StarCraft. Yo! There's also like a remastered version of StarCraft that it's also really nice and yeah. like flashy and so... I mean, these I mean, are some, this is some cool stuff. That yeah, come out of it, just for the fans out there. Just for the fans, come on, do it. <laughs> come on, CMA, let them acquire each other. It'll, it'll be good for all of us. Right, uh, but that's going to wrap it up from us for this week. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, there are links to everything we've discussed in the uh, below the story. Uh, but from myself, Brendan Lodge, cheerio from Louis Monzon. Bye, guys. And from Robin Lee Chetty. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time.